You are now listening to My Faithway Podcast. You can now find us on every major platform. And don't forget to visit our Facebook page with live services every Sunday at 10 a.m. Central Time. If you want to become a partner or simply make a one-time donation, please text the word FAITHWAY to 77977. Click send and you will receive a link for further instruction. Feel free to comment on our Facebook Live stream services or visit our page at myfaithway.org. Now let's experience life in a new way, the Faithway. That we pursue as spiritual people better to do glory and praise Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen. Y'all done your Christmas shopping yet? Eh, that was slain, right? Okay. Well, you see, the thing is, since we're going to be Christmas, we're going to be with Monica's family. We had Christmas yesterday, and it was so good. It was great. Had all the kids and the grandkids and food, so we've already done all that. And we're going to do it again in a few days. But anyway, yeah, it's not all the families going. So it was, it was a great time. Let's finish our season, I mean our season, let's finish our series this season, Tis the Season, and you're going to like this one. The last point, of course, we had um, Dennis last week, and I want you to open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 3, and we're going to call it this, this morning's series, is Tis the Season, you know, we've been Tis the Season to be jolly, Tis the Season to be this, but you know, we're going to talk about really core message of Christmas. This is our Christmas message. I know, you know, 2020, 2021 have been really, really rough years you know, for everybody, including the church, you know, but, you know, we're still here and I am thankful. And I think this is one of the years where if you want to really look at Christmas from a whole different perspective, you should just thank God that you're here and you made it and you're with your family. Amen. And it's not about how much stuff you get or how much stuff you want. It's really about appreciating what you already have. And the biggest thing you need to appreciate are the living and breathing people around you. Because at the end of the day, that's the only thing that matters. So we got to get this, this core message because, it's, and I've been preaching this for, you know, over 20 years, this idea, it's always bugged me, you know, the, the, what we've done with it, you know, what we've taken it. And again, it's not necessarily a bad thing, but with it, if you're not careful, you really get lost of, of what the, the core message was. Are you still here? The core message of, of what we are talking about. And I think if, you know, if you go back to some of the things that we talked about, you know, different to the season, you know, go back to, to the podcast or so forth. But I want to come to this one, and I want to start the Christmas story from a place that most people probably, you know, you, you expect me to start in Luke, we'll get to Luke or Matthew, you know, that's a classic Christmas story, but the Christmas story starts in Genesis. So if you, if you got your Bibles, go to Genesis chapter 3, and I'm just going to go all the way to verse 13, just so I don't, don't pick up the story, but God has created the earth, God has created man and woman, and they have this beautiful place. But you know how we're necios? Say necios? Yeah. <laughs> and they just can't have it good enough, right? You just can't have it good enough. So you know the story of the fruit and all that. Well, this is what happens after it. And God is having a conversation with everybody about this mess that they just caused. And he's talking to all of them. He's talking to Adam. He's talking to Eve. And he's talking to Satan. But then it comes to this little conclusion of this conversation after what we know as the fall of man. Well, the fall of man is, you know, it's not by design, but come on, people, you know God knew that that was going to happen. You say, and people say, well, why didn't he prevent it? Because if he had prevented it, I'm not going to get on a different teaching, but I want to answer your questions because that's the classic atheist or running from God person. If God is so good, why did he let man fall? Well, man fell because he gave man free will. You know, God did not do nothing to cause man to fall. Man fell on his own little self, because if God had not put free will in man, then this whole thing was completely pointless, because he's already got angels to serve him and worship. He doesn't need another fleet of angels. God was looking for family. And you know, and I know, and like to me, Christmas is probably the most amazing time of the year for me, because it has so many significant, you know, and all of the significance about Christmas, every memory I have of Christmas has nothing to do with toys. It has to do with people that were there when I was a kid that are no longer here. Parents, grandparents. It has lots of memories, and all the memories all were around family. See, God was pursuing family. But you can't have a family unless you have free will. 
Come on, you can buy your, 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 your kid or your husband or your wife or whoever you're trying to get them to love you. Everything on the planet. All right, a lot of nervous giggles on this side. I'll just come and preach to this side then. But um, you're never going to buy love. Because love has to be delivered by free will. Y'all sit with me? You got to get this because this is the message of Christmas, you know. And if you don't understand this, and, and this also helps you if you have people in your life that are skeptics or atheists or they just want to poke at you and they, and they play that little, why did God do this? Say, well, there was no other option. Man's will had to be tested. And man's will failed. Well, man's will didn't fail. Man's will worked perfectly fine. Man failed, right? And now we're here. So this is the beginning of the Christmas story. Ready? The Lord asked the woman, what have you done? Of course, nobody wants to take responsibility. Go ahead and say amen. This wasn't her. It was a serpent. Well, he already dealt with Adam. It was the woman. Adam, what did you do? It wasn't me. It was her. Y'all figured out. I'm good. I'm going back in the garden. Chill. Y'all figure this thing out. No, they were all in on this mess. So they're having all these questions, right? And the Lord said to the servant, because you have done this. Now he's talking to Satan. You are cursed more than all the animals, domestic and wild. You will crawl on your belly, groveling in the dust as long as you live. And here it comes. Here comes the prophetic word of Christmas. And I will cause hostility between you and the woman. That's why... Supposedly, ladies, y'all hate snakes. But anyway, that's the same. And I will cause hostility between you and the woman and between your offspring, pay attention now, and her offspring. Now it's talking about Jesus. Not talking about Cain or Abel. Because we, you know, they didn't turn out too good. But one of them turned out dead. Yeah, and the other one didn't turn out too good because he killed the other one. Anyway, that's a little dysfunctional. But that's not who he's talking to. He's not referring to her offspring the immediate, he's referring to the future offspring of her bloodline, and he will strike your head, Jesus crushing Satan's head, and you will strike his heel. Symbolism, type, and shadow of the crucifixion. Isn't that cool? Right in the third chapter, you got the whole thing right there. When people say, oh, that's just a book, yeah? You can, boy, you, got, you find all kinds of interesting little ideas, even about the story of Christmas. You know, some of the cool things about Christmas, this is completely... Uh, not off subject, but side, side note for those of you that could care. Bethlehem was prophesied. His flight to Egypt was prophesied. The death of the children that Herod was killing was prophesied. His crucifixion was prophesied. Hundreds and hundreds of years ago, this was already written down. For all the skeptics that say, oh, that didn't happen. This was, this was and it's been proven, and, it's in, you know, and they found the Dead Sea Scrolls, and on and on and on. So this stuff is was written hundreds and hundreds, and if not a couple thousand years before Jesus, and it was specific to, t- to dates, to cities. I mean, this is, so if, you, if somebody ever wants to question who, where your faith is, just track that thing. You know, how many, how many coincidences do you need to nail about five or six prophecies down to the city about the birth of Christ? I just thought that was cool. But back to this idea here. So here, this is the Christmas story. Man has a will. Man uses his will wrong. Man has caused disaster, and Jesus sends redemption. I mean, God sends redemption. That's the nutshell. But here's the one thing we don't want to miss about the Christmas story, because I think this is a great opportunity for all of us to, to really consider this point. I only got really one point this morning. And I'm going to show you with Scripture, because it is very, very important. That, you know, this is the season, or this is the season to be restored. The whole mission of Jesus was a, was a rescue. You know, we sang that beautiful song, you know, that song's been around for a long time. I, when, when they sent me, I, I'd say, I found a file. Did you hear it? Did you hear that, Abigail? I know it's bad recording. It was recorded off a mixer in Ukraine. And, see, I remember playing that song in Ukraine. You know how long that song lasted, Al? 30 minutes. You thought praise and worship was wrong. <laughs> no, because it was a song. It was ministry. We prayed for people. People got delivered from drugs. There was so many drugs and garbage on the stage. We had over 2,000 people at that concert. And there was all kinds of stuff. And the, the, the funny thing about it, I mean, people were getting delivered. It was awesome. Remember that? You were there, Vanessa, right? And then when the concert was over, you know, I was picking up my guitar, and here come all the roadies, and they were picking up all the drugs. And all of a sudden, like, yeah, we're not delivered. They were, like, rocking, and they were picking up bottles, like, whoo, free, free drugs, right? Anyway, that was a side story. But, yeah, it was an amazing time. But the point of it was Jesus came for rescue. That was all it was about. 
God, and, but God knew it. So don't think like, oh, my God, God got surprised with it. No, he knew this was the plan. And so we begin, right, with man's choices all through this thing. But the key, the key reason was restoration. Everybody say restoration. That's what this was about. There was fellowship. Go back to the Genesis account. There was perfect fellowship with God. There was a bad decision. There was broken fellowship with God. Sounds like your life? Sounds like my life, right? Maybe, maybe you met, I knew God when I was a kid, broke relationship, came back. So, 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 so what you're seeing, the type of shadow in Genesis, is exactly the Christmas message, right? You got man in fellowship, man in a broken condition, and God gives an opportunity to restore. Everybody say restore. I want you to think about this because you know how this works, church. And I was, one of the things that I just want to give God all the glory for, and maybe you're dealing with this, maybe somebody online is dealing with, you know, we all go through all kinds of challenges. Can I hear an amen? Don't act like we all got it together because your pastor doesn't have it together, and guess what? You don't got it together. So get over yourself, all right? But I was sitting there yesterday with our whole family, all the grandbabies, you know, everybody happy, everybody at peace, nobody arguing, nobody, you know, just, just a good environment. And I remember how years and years ago that wasn't but you know what? My wife and I never gave up on something that there's a God of restoration. And he will restore all things. But you have to believe that. Because at the end of the day, it's still by faith, right? You have to believe that God is in the restoring business, and the Christmas message was a message of restoration. And that is, there is a central theme that goes through the Bible. From Genesis, and you keep going, you see it, you see it, you see it. You know, you see the nation of Israel rise up. You see the nation of Israel go down into captivity. You see it, you know, you see it in the New Testament, but the theme is the same. God will restore. And here this morning, as you're listening to me online or in-house, you've got to think about some of the things that either you messed up or somebody messed up for you, the things that the devil still owes you. Because when another scripture says when a thief is caught, he's got to pay seven times. I can, you know, I can go down my life. I mean, I'm not just saying bad decisions I made influenced by toxic thinking or bad decisions that were made for me either way if i lost something peace joy relationships money whatever i lost during that crisis god is in the business of restoring because this is what this thing was about and i'm going to give you some scriptures give me an explanation so let's just go through these and i'm going to i'm going to just show you some of the things now let's go to the christmas story matthew 1 i just want to put one put one thing out of here and this is the prophecy before his birth. And she shall bring forth a son, of course, talking about Mary, and she shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now, that, that, you know, that's the gospel. We get that, but there's a lot more in there. And if I have time, I'll break that idea out about save his people from their sins. Now, all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the, the Lord, by the prophet saying. Remember I told you all these prophecies? It's one of them right here. He's quoting a prophecy from the Old Testament. Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name. Read it with me. Emmanuel. And the definition of Emmanuel is very simple. It means God with us. Okay, say this. God with me. So, once again, the foundation... Because, you know, we celebrate Christmas. Again, n- none of this is incorrect. But if you're not careful, you lose the core. So we put up nativity scenes, and that's wonderful. And that's beautiful. Like I say, I like Christmas. You know, light the whole thing up. But really, Christmas wasn't about Jesus. Come on. He didn't need to do this. He was fine where he was at. There was a choice. There was a conversation in heaven that was probably happened way before the creation of the earth because Ephesians gives us a, a glimpse into that and says that Jesus was the architect. Let me help you. Jesus wasn't born, or let me put it this way, Jesus wasn't created when he became human. He was always around. <laughs> right, He's always around. When you go to Genesis chapter 1 and it says, let us, who do you think us is? <laughs> who do you think? It's a trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and the Spirit of God hovered over the waters. You see, you got the Holy Spirit there. You got, you know, you got the owner and you got the architect. 
that the architect decided because of our choices to become man. I mean, this is like, if we would get this, most of the stuff that you face in life, you, you would navigate with so much peace, regardless of what the end circumstance. Even if you had a death sentence delivered to you, you would still navigate that with peace. Because it says, God with this is not, this is, pay attention, because we are, this is what Christianity has become, and, and I'm telling you, I'm on, on this pursuit in my own personal life of, of, of learning new things and unlearning some things that I thought were, were you know, that I, that I believe were solid, and I, the more I dig, they're not. Because I'm a fact guy, right? Fact, not fat, fact. Yeah, I'm fat too. Fact, some of you are like, yeah, you are. I'm working on it, all right? Cut me some slack, and this season is horrible, so. I just put the scale away, I don't even want to look. Pay attention now. God with us simply means no division. No division. God with us. There's no division. There's no, you know, there's no social distancing. There's no six feet. Pay attention to this because this is not, this is not, and guess what? God with us is, is for everybody. That doesn't mean they have access to the benefits. It's just God is everywhere all the time. Can you accept that? I know it's going to shake some of your religious nerves. But guess where God is? He's in the bars. God's still at the drug dealer's house. God is in that shady hotel where people are committing adultery. God's there. Are you with me? He's everywhere. But now the idea of Emmanuel is not God is everywhere. That's for everybody. We all got, you know, omnipresent. Oh, Emmanuel is God and now he becomes yours. See, God is searching for you. This is not a pursuit of you searching for God. Now, we are here this morning pursuing, we're searching God, we're searching depth. But the story didn't begin with you looking for God. The story began for God looking for you. The war is over. And this is so, this, because here's the thing. What is the one thing that just drives you in your spiritual walk, I'm not saying maybe it's different for different people, but I'm going to go, you know, I've been doing this a long time. I'll tell you what it is, condemnation. Because what is condemnation? Come on, y'all follow with this, because <laughs> this is so basic that we, that we miss it. Condemnation is distance. That's all it is. The more, I mean, think about a marriage. Think about a relationship with your kids. Think about any relationship. The more that relationship is condemned, well, you did this, and you did That's condemnation. You're judging it. You're throwing it. The more condemnation any relationship has against each other, there's going to be greater space. So finally, there's vast amount of space, so vast that you don't hear the other person. You know, in a marriage, it would be called a divorce. Well, Emmanuel, you see, religion has taught us over, you know, thousands of years that we are on a pursuit of God, which is correct, but they have made the pursuit quite difficult because it seems like God, you know, God just keeps moving further and further away. If you do this, you'll find God. So we come up to the line. Okay, oh yeah, sorry, there's still five more steps. That's what religion does. So you walk the five more steps. And like, is God here? Yeah, you almost got it, but you know, you did miss a couple prayer services, so you, you know, he's not quite there. And condemnation just keeps fueling it. And people love Jesus, people love God, but they feel so separated. Because of their human nature. They're, come on, you don't think God knows what kind of person you are? The good, the bad, and the ugly. One of my favorite movies, by the way. Now I'm thinking about the movie. Yeah, that's it. That's all I want to say. But the last line of the movie... Oh, that's it. Condemnation is about separation. Emmanuel is about togetherness. But the choice that God made was to become man knowing we were a mess. Religion hasn't been like that. And religious, when I say religion, it is not just something that floats. Religion resides in people. <laughs> so when you say religion, I'm not talking about a religion. I'm talking about Religious people just like yourself. Some of you are like, oh, I can say some things that will shake your religious 
things to the core. But I'm not. It's Christmas and I'm going to be nice. This idea of Emmanuel, and I talked about it last year. It's not the same message. Because to me it grows. It always grows. God with us. God with me at my worst. God with me at my best. God with me when I lied and I cussed somebody out and I cheated on my taxes. Not that I did that. But you know, Christians, I've heard some Christians. Not anybody in this building. Maybe people watching online. I don't know. But they're out there, right? Come on, don't be sanctimonious. Because you and you know you perfectly fine, and you know what you're wired of, and you know what the dark areas of your life are, and you know the condemnation and the guilt and all the depressions that you have to deal with, and guess what? God still believes in you. God made a choice to become man. Not to have a religion where he's so far that we can't touch him, but to have fellowship. And even when you throw your fist up at God, and even when you don't understand some of the things that are going on in your life, God's still there. Jesus is still there. Because he said he would never leave you nor forsake you. End of the end. Now that's, Pastor, if you keep preaching that, that, that's a ticket to sin. Let me help you. Christians sin without tickets. They don't need a ticket. Yes, I'm talking about grace, but I'm not talking about some hyper-stupid grace that, that, that has nothing to do with the foundation of any relationship with the foundation of love. If that's not the foundation, then what's the point? You're married... You went before a judge or you went before a pastor before, and you signed a document called a marriage license, right? Is that document powerful enough to keep somebody from cheating on their husband or their wife? Of course not. What keeps that relationship solid? Is it the document? I don't have a paper Bible. I got a Bible generally because this is going to help you. Because this is, this is where, you, where people are stuck on religion right here. I got the document, Pastor Box. The document. This will save me. No, it won't. Just like your marriage license won't save your marriage. What makes this valuable is how much love and devotion I add to it. Because he already, for God's soul, right? He already did that. I can't do that. I can't do that. So now, the only responsibility on my part, you ready? For Kelvin so loved God that he gave himself. I mean, now that's heavy. I'm not saying I'm there yet. I'm just saying, if you really want to understand what this, what this thing is about, for God so loved the world, change the world for your name. That love has to come back. Because you remember I told you? I told you a few weeks ago or last week, says, you know, inanimate objects cannot love you back. So it's pretty stupid to get mad at stuff or to love stuff. Right? So God is here, Emmanuel, God with us, baby in the manger, and here we are today, still scared to come to church, well, not you guys, some people, or whatever other reasons you have that you're separating yourself from God, when really, you know, I was having this, because let, let, me, let me tell you some of this, there's just stuff I can't share and can't share, but I'll share as much as I can about my inner conversations with God, because here's the thing, you know, a lot of people leave God, not because of God. A lot of people leave God because of Christians. Right? I mean, but it's fault of both people. It's fault of the person that has a bunch of religion and, and it's just being mean as a rattlesnake and is driving people out of their life and they're playing some sanctimonious game. So, yeah, but it's also fault of the person that is, that is rejecting God because God is not that person. And if you're not careful... You'll leave church. You'll leave everything because of people. Guess what? People are broken just like yourself. What, how do you expect somebody to be holy when you're not even that holy? Amen. I'm just trying to get you to understand something because there's no division between you and God. The only division there is between God is the vision you create. Back to my idea of this thing because I, I, I left it hanging. So this marriage license... It's a document, and it's, it's a legal document. It's a powerful document. But what holds a relationship together is that. That's it. We need this document. It's got promises. It's got, shows you how to raise your kids. You're not going to like this one. It shows you how to eat. That we'll rebuke that. 
because God didn't know about cupcakes and stuff like that. Right, Yanni? Yeah, yes, I'm like, everybody knows I'm working on this thing, trying to lose weight, and they show up with like 45 pies at the house. You're like, you're all kidding me. No, tamales, no, ya yo, tamales también. Ya parezco tamal, yo, no. Don't go there. Don't go there, guys. Remember, because this is a key to understanding this, condemnation feeds. For many, for many, it can feed from some dumb thing you see on, inter, on the internet. It can feed from a memory. It can feed from something. But one thing is, remember this. You don't live in the past. You don't live in the future. Nothing wrong with planning. You only live in one place. That's, that's in the here now. And in the here now is where the relationship of God carries value. Because if you go to your past, the devil says, you really think Lauro God's going to listen? And he doesn't, he's not, he doesn't come in like smoke, fire, and smelling like sulfur. He'll seduce you with a sweet little voice. He'll even use a Christian. And you're over here standing in faith, and somebody says, yeah, but I remember when you used to be in a, you know, you used to party like a rock star. You think God, did, God forgot about that. Now you're wondering, you know, maybe, because we have a sense of payback. Maybe that guy's right, you know, and he goes to church also. So here we go. God just got, you know, you just threw God out of the whole conversation, even though you're talking about him. Because you're talking about him in the wrong light. Because Emmanuel had nothing to do with sin. This is the point I'm trying to drive home. Emmanuel had to do with, I want my family back. Had, it, you know, God is not looking at sin when he makes the choice of Jesus. He brings Jesus to deliver from sin. But religion got it backwards, right? You don't come to church enough. You don't pray enough. You don't tithe enough. You don't give enough. That's the exact opposite of what the plan was. And I think the, the sooner we get to this, the more freedom and the more peace you have. Because at the end of this, the, 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 the subject of today was, how do I move into a place of restoration? How do I move to this place where I know God is working to make things right in my life? Well, the very first one is, there's no war. Settle that today. And even when you miss it, God still... Come on, people. Do you don't think God knows what you're going to do in the next 10 minutes, 20 minutes, 10 years? Now, his, he's going to want to influence some of those decisions. But he's not, he's not you know, this is what, what amazes me of, of religion. I was having this conversation with Dennis. And Dennis, is, it's, you know, he's a deep guy. I mean, the guy writes you know, so many books. He knows what's going on. And I so, say, you know, Dennis, we're talking about, we're talking about all, basically what we're talking about right now, you know, the idea of religion. And he says, you know, the spirit thing, because he was getting on these things about, not him, but, you know, people, everything, you know, if, you know, how you dress or, you know, this or if you do that or if you don't do this, all these things that we can come up with, all the lists, this, the don't, the don't, the this, the don't, all the way down. And at the end of the day, what's going to heaven is your spirit. <laughs> it has nothing to do with your body. It has nothing to do with your clothes. I mean, spirituality. Now, spiritual people will change their ways. Right? Spiritual people will change the way they talk, the way they dress, who they hang out with, where they hang out, because now they're spiritual people. But my point of that simple, God never told you to before you get to me, you got to get rid of all that. He never said that. We said that. We came up with that. Religion came up with it. And when I say we, I don't count myself. I just mean Christianity. God never said that. He knew you were going to mess it up. He knew you were a sinner. He said, and I got a plan. Genesis chapter 3, from the beginning, there's a boy coming, and he's going to save you. And he's going to rescue you. It's going to be based on love, for God so loved. The Christmas message is about this idea to restore humanity back into fellowship, number one. But he didn't stop there. Because now we come down to this next point. The, the restoration comes at three levels. It doesn't just come in the spirit. It's yourself. Spirit. Say spirit. Soul. Body. You see, God, God is in, in, in every one of those avenues, in every one of those places, God is trying to restore you. So let's talk, you know, let's just break it down. This is not, this would take, you know, this might be a series at some point. Spiritual. There's not, there's not a whole lot that happens in spirit except say, Jesus coming into my life. And if you believe in the Holy Spirit, you believe in that, the experience of the Holy Spirit. That's about as deep as it's going to happen spiritually. 
Because whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved, right? So the spirit is taken care of. In other words, we unplugged back into energy, back into his energy, back into his life. But, but guess what? Even though you were unplugged, he still never left you or forsake you. He's been poking you your whole life. How do I know? I know. Even in my worst, in my worst, people, I'm talking dark places, I could sense his presence. He never left me. Of course, I did have a praying mom and a praying wife. But here's where we're going with this. Restore your spirit. Stop fighting with your spirit. Just say, I'm a spiritual person. God resides in me. Not faith way, God. Not religion, God. Jesus, Emmanuel. That's the foundation. Okay, then you go into your soul, because that's really where the, the fight is. Where's the areas of restoration of your soul? Well, let's start with toxic thinking. That maybe we created ourselves, or we learned it from our parents, or we learned it from somewhere else. That we, there's a, I'm talking about my own head. I've been doing this a long time, and I, I keep finding stuff. I said, I need to fix this. I need to fix this. And I, and I just uh, continue fixing and fixing and fixing, because, you know, what else I'm going to do? So your soul is made up of three things. And in each one of those areas, you've got to believe for restoration. Your mind, your will, and your emotion. And again, I could break that into a whole other thing. Mind, your thinking process. Who, who, who taught you to think that way? Was it your mom, your dad, grandpa, grandma, or God? Because somebody taught us how to think. And chances are it wasn't God. All the fears your parents had were put into you. All their negativity planted into us. All their cynicism and sarcasm and everything else that our parents, and of course, you know, hopefully some good attributes. But we come into this place of Emmanuel, and we're trying to say, I'm so messed up. How can I be in the presence of a holy God? That is you pursuing God. And I already told you the Christmas, Christmas message was about God pursuing you. So you got to settle that. So the restoration starts when you just simply accept. Just accept it. And that's it. You, know, you want a Christmas challenge? Write down all the things that are wrong with you. <laughs> well, that would be a blank page. Ask your, ask your wife. She'll help you fill it out. You'll have, a, you'll have like three legal pads by the time you're done. She'll sit down, honey, get some coffee. We're going to be here a while. Those are honest conversations. You go, oh, Jesus, spiritual, hallelujah. Put your praise on and put your mask on. Put it all on. Because as soon as you get to the house, the praise is gone and the mask is gone. And you're going through all your little negative issues and garbage stuff that you deal with. And Sunday, you put it all back on it. And year after year after year, you don't grow. Jesus still loves you, but you're not growing. Because restoration depends on how much you open it up. My God. You know, I, I resolved. I thought people were different, but then I realized people are really creatures. You know what, Danny? There's people that don't want to change. It's just a fact. They're just like, I like my miserable existence. And we're over here trying to get them to change. You're wasting your time. You see, here's the, here's the thing that the Christianity, because we took the, the, the commission of Christianity, which is super important. By the way, that, that's going to be, we're probably going to kick off the year with some of these ideas. But the mission of Christ was to pick up his family. Hello? And guess who he's using? He picked you up, and then you're supposed to pick somebody else up. But we turn that somehow, I know what it is, religion again. We turn that, it's like when you find a restaurant, right? Especially in Laredo, it's hard to find good restaurants. And now, now there's some good ones out. We're always all the standard and somebody, hey, you've got to go. You know, people tell, hey, there's, there's a when you find something, like the, like the parable about the pearl, right? When you find it, you want to tell everybody, look what I found. 
That's cool because that was my, that's the reason I'm here in front of you today. Almost 30 years later, I'm still excited about what I found. That's why I took it. Nobody wanted to listen to what I had to say, so I I said, I know where where they don't have any choice. That's in jail. Yeah, I'll give you, you don't get any offerings, but I don't get any offerings here either, so it's fine, right? So it's all good, you know, just like being in jail. No, just kidding. Sorry, H. H just gave me that. I watch him to see how far I'm getting out there. You know, if that eyebrow goes up, I got to pull it back. Oh, Restoration is available to you. Are you willing to walk in? Because it will put a demand. It put a demand. You know, again, I can only share my life, and I'm not all there yet, and I hope I don't let anybody down. But, you know, last summer I had a aha moment. I mean, you know what a aha moment is. It was like, oh. It was like in May. And I just had that, well, it was the beginning of summer, but, it, but it's something that's been on my life my whole life, which is a situation of being overweight. Honestly. I mean, since I was a little kid. But I had that aha moment. I'm like, you know what? I'm tired of it. I'm tired of it. The whole, my feet hurt. I can't buy any clothes anywhere. Every, everything's wrong. But mainly my health was I literally, you guys could not tell, but there are literally times that, I mean, I could not, not even be up here. You're doing by the anointing. Then the anointing will live. You're like, ah! <laughs> and here I am. And this is, this, is where Christians, this is where Christians get weird, right? Including myself. So you could, you, you, know, you could be in, in your life, which I was for many years, and, and, so, and there was a season when I got everything together, and there was a season when I dropped everything, and I went right back. Remember Danny? When we, that guy back there, he knows what I'm talking about. Danny and I would work out so much, I'd make him puke. You remember that? <laughs> he's, he's probably going to leave the church after this message. I'm like, where did you go? He's like, and That's when H and him decided to just kill me. But that's another story. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> you guys, what are all these inside jokes? That's just, they're not inside jokes. It's just a lot of good stories from faith work. But here's where we're going to. God, please help me lose weight. You want restoration? I'm just using that as an example. You fill in the blank with whatever other situation you're believing God, you need restoration. Oh, God, help me lose weight. Can I have another bag of Cheetos? Oh, God. Let's pray for our food. Father, we just pray over our our meal, and it will be health and benefit to our bodies in Jesus' name. Triple water burger with cheese and bacon is not, I don't care how much you pray for that to be a benefit in your life. It's going to be good, but it's going to kill you. And God is scratching his head saying, you just made a monster, and you want me to turn it into a puppy. That's your creation, sunshine. And God didn't help me lose weight. I guess God's not real. I, I, I know that I know that the irony and the silliness helps you understand where I'm at. That's all it is. I mean, I'm not here to make you laugh, but when you're laughing, you open your spirit. But you see the truth, right? God is with us the whole time. So all the hang-ups that we have, because we keep praying this way, and Kelvin Box does it too. Oh, God, help us. Oh, God, fix this. Emmanuel. Oh, God, please come. Oh, God, come from heaven. Oh, God, rise up from the dead. Romans 10, right? We're doing it all the time. We don't. Romans says, why do, you, why do you tell him to come down? Why do you tell him to come up? He's already done everything. But Christians still do that, right? Because the idea of Jesus, a supreme being, and I, there's a lot of things I don't understand about God. So don't, well, I'm not even going to go there. But I know he's there. Because his influence in my life is pretty obvious. That religion has caused a division to a being that says, I want to be with you. With all your hang-ups, with all your brokenness, with all your negativity, I still want to hang out with you. And that influence, when you permit it, begins to resolve all that stuff. I'm so far behind my message. Let's try to finish it. So, restoration. We're going to get into this idea of restoration. I'm almost done. Yourself. Includes your spirit and your soul. Now, again, that we could open up, but I'll leave that for you to just kind of chew on it. Because really, just that honest conversation with yourself, that's the bottom line. Okay, give me the next one. And of course, relationships. We'll get to that later. Give me the next one, Archie. Okay. 
Let's go to Acts chapter 317. I'll just off the screen for the sake of time. Says. The message that Peter preaches, you know, after the miracle, and they're questioning him what happened. Then I want to pull one thing out because I did open this message up making some reference to the prophecies. Then Matthew makes reference to the prophecies. So pay attention now because this is just as valid and just as important. Friends, I realize that what you and your leaders did to Jesus was done in ignorance. That God was fulfilling what all the prophets had forbade about the Messiah, that he must suffer these things. Now repent of your sins and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped away. Pay attention to verse 20 and 21 because this is the meat. Then times of refreshment will come from the presence of the Lord. And he will again send Jesus, your appointed Messiah. This is talking about the current time. So Jesus already has come. Jesus has ascended to heaven. And we are waiting for the second coming. And this is what that reference is. For he must remain in heaven in time for the final, pay attention, restoration of all things. Why? Because God prophesied. You see, restoration is a vital part of prophecy. Because the message, Genesis starts with a rescue mission. Well, it didn't start with a rescue mission. Chapter 3, the rescue mission. Right? Mankind. But the restoration, and this is a picture I've had for many, many years in, in, in my head over that. This is really, I preached this way, 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 way back a long time ago. And I actually pulled some of these ideas. You know, I told you there was a message that Jerry Savelle, I heard probably one of the first things I ever heard from him in 1993 or something. It, had to, it was called From Devastation to Restoration. Powerful, powerful message. And I, and I adopted, I preached that, you know, and the Lord gave me some more and stuff. It was just amazing. Because you know what? We were in that season. We, had, we were just barely trying to figure this thing out. We had nothing. And we needed restoration. And we needed everything. Remember that? Our marriage needed healing. Our, our relationship with our kids, I mean, they were still little. I'm just saying, when I came to God, pretty much everything needed restoration. Can you say amen? From me, from me, my insides, my relationship, my wife, my finances, everything. There was not one area of my life that you could say, oh, we got that one, right? So we walk into this that heaven is holding Jesus back. Because prophetically, heaven can't release Jesus until the restoration of all things. Now that means, again, that doesn't mean, oh, does that mean I get, well, it, it, it could, but I don't want you to take it there because then you might get in a place of biblical error or at least biblical gray area. Because what he's talking about primarily is the restoration of God's people. That, you know, of the nation of Israel, but also God's people, us, the Gentiles. Because all this is still in the context of, of talking to Jews. This speech was given to Jews by, Jew, by a Jew. So they're hearing this not in evangelical ears like we hear. Got to do that because if you, if you just hear everything evangelical ears, you're going to miss a lot of the Bible. They're hearing it as Jewish people. And the, but, the, but here's the cool part. What does the restoration mean to them? Well, every Jewish ear is going all the way back, and they're going back into everything in history where their nation was put down. Are you with me? But guess what it includes? Health and wealth. It includes everything. It includes your family. It includes your finances. It includes your physical body. It includes your... I mean, there's nothing left out of this. For the times of restitution. In other words, God, Jesus is not going to come for a broken people, sick and tired, depressed. You know, he's not coming for that. He's going to... And so, so, when is Jesus coming? You want to know when Jesus is coming? When that gets fulfilled. That's, you know, nobody knows. Of course we don't know because God is in a process... But you got to make sure you define what restoration is. Because if you're not, well, I lost a house. Am I going to, well, you know, God could give you a house back. I'm not saying that. But that's, this is way deeper than that. Well, you know, I had a car report. Will God restore that? Well, probably not because you didn't pay for it. He might give you one. Pay for <laughs> You see, don't, don't leave it at such a superficial level. If you get it to where it is, then the other stuff will be. Because we're not looking just for the stuff. Actually, I'm not, I, don't, I could care less for the stuff. What is he talking about? He's talking about the re restoration of the relationship with him. 
Because Israel had this track of, we worship God, we don't worship God. We worship God, we're blessed. We don't worship God, we're cursed. We worship God, we're... That, you go through the whole Old Testament, that's the way it is. Well, we come to church, the same thing, right? I mean, you've experienced that. You, you, you know, you're on track with God, and yes, life comes at you hard, but you kind of navigate through stuff. But just leave God for about six months and then come back. I mean, like, totally leave him. You'll come back so beat up by the devil, you're like, whoo, jeez, I made it back, right? I mean, this is not a game, church. If COVID has taught us something, this is not a game. You better be solid on but the most solid thing you can do is that God loves you. And, and that is a, that you're part of that prophecy. You're part of God trying to restore areas in your life where you've lost your joy, areas in your life where maybe, you know, a relationship went south. Because I'm going something, going somewhere that hopefully, I believe, you know, last night I was praying over this, even got up early this morning, I believe this is the, the message is going to be, you know, in about two minutes, I'm going to give it to you. That he is in the business of restoring. All right? that thought. I'll go to the next one. Almost done. But what are our hindrances to restoration? God is, God is ready to go. Well, I, I could come up with a lot, right? I just came up with a few that I find in my life. Excuses. You can make all kinds of excuses. Amen. You know, I, I, most of you know that. I'm in the contracting business, and sometimes I have to deal with contractors, which I do not like. Because contractors, they don't get it. Anyway, I had a, like a semi-bad experience in the last few weeks. And, you know, one of the things that this other guy was, you know, he wasn't getting the job done. I'm like, and I'm just sitting him listening and listening, this and this and this. And, this. and I finally said, well, when you're done with the excuses, when are you going to finish with the job? I mean, let's just cut the, you know, well, I don't know, get to the point. Right? <laughs> so, you know, I need the job done. You know, when you're done with your, you know, mama died and the dog died. And all, you go through all that. Just tell me when the job's done. You know, with God, we're doing the same thing. God doesn't want to hear your excuses of why you're failing. God doesn't want to hear excuses of why you're not pressing in harder. God wants to help you. He already knows you're struggling. That's what I said, you know, this idea that God help me lose weight. He said, I will help you, but he will help you with discipline. He's not going to, you're not going to, you know, go to bed at 350 pounds and wake up, you know, 180 all cut. It's not going to happen. That would be sweet, right? If that happened, I would totally begin to tithe. I know what you're thinking. <laughs> Stop with excuses, because most of the excuses are about deficiencies of yourself. So if you can get rid of the excuses about your deficiencies, then there's no excuses left, because all it's God's grace. And that's beautiful, because grace, boy, that would, that would be something to preach all day, right? That's what people don't understand about grace. You are expected to give grace. You know, we're in a lot of hard situations. We're in a lot of difficult situations. Even, this, like I said, dealing with some of these contractors, trying to hold back a lot of the anger and venting I could do. But, you know, you have to give grace at everything. Because you're demanding grace from God, but are you willing to give grace? Because that's one of the excuses, you know, oh, God, love me, bless me, help me. But then somebody comes in, you know, in your life or in your workplace, or maybe you're ahead of somebody, maybe you have people under you. That's a very dangerous place to be, too. Because you're still a Christian, and you still got to deliver grace. Guys, your, your, your public life, your private life, and your spiritual life, they're not separated. Just letting you know, they're not separated. It's just one life. And God's with me in every one of those areas. He's with me when I'm spiritual, Sunday morning or whenever I'm spiritual. He's with me when I'm in the workplace. But here's the thing. We have to stop with excuses. Another, i got to finish this. Another one is failing to let go. Failing to let go. Wow, that's a big one. Come on, raise your hand. I have problems with that. Come on. Somebody does something to you, like, oh, geez, it takes forever to get rid of it, right? Yeah, that's not good. Well, failing to let go, once again, puts you in a place where either you have a negative expectation of something, a future event, or you're living in your past, and you're ignoring where you're living. You're living in the present. So when you say, well, I can't let it go, then you're making a choice to live in the past. And guess where God doesn't work? He doesn't work over there, because... You know, what is he going to do? Get a time machine, throw you back there, then fix you over there, and then bring you back? No, you, he doesn't. So you need to learn to let some of these things go. I know it's a, you know, a little Christian bumper sticker, but it's quite true. Let God and let go, right? That is one of the, the principles of letting, of, of Emmanuel moving in your life, because when you get rid of the excuses, 
and you just decide to say, I'm going to live in the present where Jesus operates, where Jesus breathes on my life, then I don't have any reason to hold any odd against anybody. You hurt my feelings? I'll let you go. Failure to live in the present is failure to understand grace. Simple as that. Failure to live in the present is failure to understand grace. I'm not even going to expound on that one because that one will take me 30 minutes to explain it. No, just think about it. Grace is what we have from God. The grace is what is expected. And I see too many believers, including myself, that sometimes, yes, we expect all this wonderful grace, but when it's time to dish some out, you did this to me and you did that to me. I remember. 20 years ago, Lado. Well, I didn't know you 20 years ago. I can't Let's go, RJ. Let's finish this thing up. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Let's apply it. We're almost done. Christmas message applied. 1 Corinthians 5, 16 through 19. So, we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. Oh, I sure hope you say amen to that. I guess they didn't, Lord. They're still evaluating humans from their point of view. Okay, let's keep going. <laughs> I should just preach that sentence right now. I should just go for it, right? At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. Think about it. That's religion, right? How differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. Now, this is a, you know, evangelists, pastors, get people saved scripture. Love it. I preach this up and down. But sometimes there's a little bit of context we, we, we tend to miss because we, we you, know, you know, pastors, we, we love this stuff. We find a scripture and we say, this is a scripture for that. And we marry it to that idea, and then there were so many other ideas that could have come from it that we, we're stuck with it. And here's one of them. We get it. God loves a second chance. Amen. That's what it is, right? We all got a second chance. We all got, well, I, with me, it was like third, fourth, fifth, probably tenth chance, okay? Because I didn't get it by the second one, trust me. My point is grace, 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 grace. Right? Watch this. New creation. All old things have passed away. Everything has become new. That's awesome. All my old habits, all my old, yeah, that's all true. But here's where we begin to, if we're not careful, we stop there, tell somebody, come to Jesus. You can be a new creation. Except Jesus, praise God, you got somebody to heaven. But then we go on and forget to read what was the, the context. This is so important. We're almost done, guys. And all of this, what? This means everything up there. Emmanuel, coming down, giving you the power, you know, to forgive your sins, so forth and so on. This old life is gone. A new life has begun. All of this. What if all of this? All that, that new life, that new creation, that new opportunity, more chance, you know, second chance, whatever you want to call it. It's a gift who brought us back to where? Come on, church. Don't, don't drop it right now. You guys have been good for an hour. Come on, you're almost done. Himself. He brought it back to, not a church, not a synagogue. He brought it back to him. Stand up loud. Let me illustrate this. I just need to do it. I know you're a support. Don't step on me. Okay, so this is the original condition of man, right? God and man. Decision. Boom. Separation. The sin, snake, the apple, whatever you want. Jesus comes back. But Jesus is right here. I still have to make a choice. Yeah? Okay, Jesus, I'm a Christian. From God's perspective, we're back to this condition. This is what God sees. But we've chosen to see it through the filter of religion. We see this. We see this. We see ourselves inferior to him. Pay attention to this. And it says, in the, I believe in the book of oh, Ephesians, that's probably me, I just think I've set the alarm. Don't wear skinny jeans with me. This separation, and you got, I got to get this picture. You got to get the picture. This separation, God, it says that Jesus did not think himself, didn't, didn't consider it robbery to consider himself equal. Wait. You're not Jesus. You're God. That Jesus... I'm just giving you scriptures, was the first of many. So if Jesus did not consider it robbery to stand shoulder to shoulder to God, 
you shouldn't consider it robbery to stand up shoulder to shoulder. That doesn't make you better. That makes you a team player. Because if Laura and I were supposed to fight a, a, a fight like this, we could probably do pretty good. But if I'm supposed to fight like this, we're not going to do that good because I'm handicapped. I'm fighting on my knees. And I think that's, that's sometimes, thank you, thank you. That, I think sometimes that is for the churches. Yes, we love God. I'm not feeling spiritual. And we've taken all this false humility and false Christmas ideas, false, false. And we still love Jesus, but, but we've taken this position of, I'll never be like you. No, no, we're, we're not trying to be God. You know, it's so different to look at God this way than to look at God face to face. Because that's what Moses wanted, right? Wasn't that Moses' heart? And did God keep, keep that from Moses? He said, no, Moses, I'll, I'll, I'll show you my face. I'm just going to have to cover your, your eyes because you'll die. But God has a desire for his children to see him face to face. Not in a beggar condition. Not in a condemned position. But in a position where God became like you, with you. And guess what? He was tempted in all things, but without sin. So he can relate to everything. Whatever your challenge is, Jesus can relate. Well, why don't I feel anything? Because this is not about feelings. This is about having a conversation. I was telling my family today, we're talking about something else. And I said, when a conversation stops in any relationship, that relationship is over. That's it. That includes your relationship. So we have stopped evaluating. Well, let me, let me go all the way down. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, and no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. What is the message of reconciliation? Emmanuel, he's not holding sin against you. He's willing to forgive you. It's a message. The way. And he gave you the message. What are you supposed to do with it? You're supposed to do exactly the same thing. Before January, I mean, before December 31st, I challenge everyone in this room, everyone watching online, get rid of every offense perceived. Because they're not real. Why? Because they're in the past. <laughs> Even if they offended you five minutes ago, it's in the past. Everything's out of gold. Because the ministry of reconciliation was not just so I can become a new creation. It was for me to deliver the same ministry of reconciliation. And I cannot be an effective Christian if I say, oh, Jesus, I got this, and then I treat everybody like trash around me. And, you know, I can't be effective in this ministry because the ministry was to be able to look at somebody, Christian or non-Christian, and say, I have grace for you. You know, we want to, you know, there, there's a, there's, it's just a lot of stories, but there's a restaurant we've been going to, and it's a really good restaurant, but there's a, there's a waitress or waiter, because whatever decision he makes. And I'm not, I'm not mocking that. But I have a challenge, and, and then, you know, the second time we get, we got him, because he's a him. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not judging it. But I had a great opportunity to say, okay, so, I'm, so what kind of Christian am I? Because it's, it's challenging me, right? It's challenging my, my roots, my beliefs. But guess what? I have grace. And I began to talk to him and left him a huge tip. Monica was giggling because he says, I think he likes you. I said, shut up. That's true. But she's been delivered from jealousy, so it's all good. How did I get in these conversations? This gift, let's bring it back, this gift of being able to reconcile people that have hurt you, this gift to, to let bygones really be bygones, this gift to move into next year and say, you know what? No one can hurt me anymore. The only person that can hurt me is me. Nobody else can hurt me. Nobody can make me mad. The only person that can make me mad is me. You see, 
Higher thinking, right? Okay. He gave us the message we consider. I'm going to give you a personal story, and then this is it. In 1994, somewhere in there, maybe December of 93, into it was Christmas season. I had gotten, and there's a lot of details here, so I'm not going to get I'm just going to give you a, a Christmas message that happened in my life that was so, so significant. I lived, you know, my grandfather was alive back then, of course, and we lived on the same property. Long, long story, but we had got, because he's a box and I'm a box and we're both stubborn. Anyway, we got in a big fight. And my grandpa's the kind of person, he, him and his brother one time got in an argument, HH, about what was better, Ford or Chevy. And they didn't talk to each other for like five years. That's how they're wired. So we had one of those incidents, and my grandpa wasn't talking to me, and I wasn't talking to my grandpa, and I was done, done with it. Because he's Nessio, right? But I love my grandpa dearly. I really do. And I have even made decisions. You know what? We're leaving. We're going to San Antonio. I'm done with all this mess. I, I don't even like South Texas. Let's just go. You know, that was when I was still working, you know, um, construction inspection. I said, I can get a good job. I'll go to my pastor's church. I'll play my little guitar. Be a good little Christian. And I told my pastor about the situation in my, in my life. Pastor Odell, still my pastor today. Oh, by the way, sometimes you, I think you should have a pastor if you don't. They do help you sometimes. Shameless plug, right? And my pastor said something I didn't want to do. I said, this is going on in my life, pastor. And my grandfather is being like this, and I can't believe what he's doing to us. My pastor just sits there. And it was in Christmas. And he said, Brother Box... He said, you need to fix it. And I'm what? wait, 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 wait. I didn't come to hear that. I came, to, I came to hear, you know, I came to invite you to my pity party. What are you talking about? I got to fix it. Here's the invitation, the Kleenex, everything there. The little violin, you know, everything. He said, you need to fix it. I'm like, Pastor, what does that even mean? You need to go by and tell your grandfather you're sorry. I'm like, sorry? Are you kidding me? He offended me. He, 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 he. When I got done with that, so what do you think about now, Pastor? Yep, you, you need to go over there and say you're sorry. And I'm like, whatever. I was mad at my pastor. I was looking for another pastor, actually. Kind of like you all do, right? When you all don't, you know, when, when I'm like, when I, when I tickle your ears, you're like, I love Faithway. Oh, I just love Faithway. And let's talk about the tithe. All oh, they want is your money. I've got to go to another church. i just got to go to another church. That's what happens when your pastor stops caring. Anyway, because I made a choice to make Pastor Odell my pastor, that was my choice. He didn't, he didn't invite himself into my life. I invited him. I cringed, and I went ahead and did what he told me. And Angie, I did not want to do that. Have you ever been there where God tells you to say sorry to your wife even though she started it? Have you ever been there? It's like, all right, you've never been married. You don't understand. God, come on. So I went there with my grandfather in his old, in the, you know, back at the house. So there was like a door that goes into his bedroom. You know how houses used to be built, you know, door and bedroom. Even the door and the beds. There. And he had a front door and all that, but they always used that door. And you would go in, and he had an old rocking chair, and he would chew tobacco, and read the newspaper. That's what he did. He only had one eye. And this had been going on for like three months. We weren't talking shit. And we lived like on the same block, basically. And he's ignoring me, and I'm ignoring him. And I went to talk to my pastor, and I didn't like what my pastor said. But since I made him my pastor, I went ahead and did what he said. The reason I'm telling you this story is because indirectly, every one of you is affected by this. Every one of you is affected by this. You see, this ministry of reconciliation, it's not about you. It's not about who did who wrong. If God tells you to fix something, you need to fix it. Even if it wasn't your fault, because the consequences of not obeying God could be very, very severe. So I went, I remember going that day, and I was having issues with it. I did not want to do it, because I know how he is. And I thought he was in the wrong. And he thought I was in the wrong. And we were both wrong, whatever. And I walk into his house. I say, hey, Grandpa, I haven't talked to him for like three months. And he's sitting there, you know, looking at the newspaper on the bed, and he's sitting there flipping, <clears throat> just grunts. He just looks at me with that one eye. He's reading his newspaper, spitting tobacco, like he always did. And I said, well, Grandpa, I'm here. Um, 
I'm trying to say I'm sorry for all this. About time. I felt like, good thing we didn't have cell phones back then. I'm like, pastor. Yeah, I'm looking for another pastor. Sure, no. Is this my ex-pastor all day? That made me so mad. Because I expected kind of like, like a movie, right? Like music, everything goes into slow motion. Daisies in the wind, my grandpa running towards me. I'm running towards my grandpa. Exactly. It was like, about time. And he went back to reading his news. I'm sitting there like, awkward. Do I leave? Do I continue? I don't know. What, I'm sitting there at the door. I'm, not, I'm just like, it's not like, like sit down and let's talk about it. It's like, he's back to his paper. And I'm like, okay. I just walked out. With that, of course, you know, the next day he came over. The ice was broken. We had a great relationship after that. But here's the thing. I was at the last of the last of the last of anything ever happening in, you know, with the family. But because of that move, and because of obedience, and because of the ministry of reconciliation, and because of being obedient to God and to my pastor, even though everything in my life didn't do it, that act of obedience moved me from being the last one on the list of a lot of family members. I went all the way right to the top. And a lot of this church, this, this building, and I don't say this a lot because God gets all the glory, but because of that restoration, Later on, a lot of that money, my parents were able to move to help build this building. Just because I did. Stand to your feet. I want to challenge you. I know the word challenge might be a little hard. I want you to think about this. Where is the ministry of reconciliation in your life this morning? Because the message of Jesus was about bringing things broken. Is there a relationship in your life? Is there a parent? Is there an aunt? Is there a friend? Is there a husband or wife? Is there a child that you have just broken relationship, regardless of who's faulting? Because Jesus came down to fix our life, even though it was all our fault, right? He made that choice. And I want to leave you with that this morning because I really feel the presence of God. You go ahead and play it. Um, y'all can open that guitar just to hear a little worship music. Every eye closed, watching me online, I'm telling you, God's going to heal some things. I want you to go right now through an inventory in your life. You know, there, maybe there's people that have passed away. I just got that. And, and they're still stuck in. The Holy Spirit is I want you to just come to me as a little child. This ministry of reconciliation, the same grace that he's offered you, he will give it to you, and you will be able to be answered. Like that conversation that's in my grandfather. Thank you.